leaders debate this week. We had leaders also testing positive for COVID. Very, very busy week. Time to put a wrap on the week that was in the provincial election. Here is Tom Parkin, principal at Impact Strategies. John Capabianco, Senior VP, Fleischman Hillard High Road. Both join us now. John, Tom, good afternoon. Happy Friday. Oh, yes. Friday before a long weekend. We love it. Uh, before we uh, get there, though, let's uh, get into it. Uh, I want to start with uh, Andrea Horvath and Mike Schreiner, both testing positive for COVID over the last uh, few days here. Uh, John, first to you on this. How does this uh, impact, you think, uh, the election? Because obviously uh, both of these leaders not able to get out and do the traditional campaigning over the next uh, little while. Well, it's usually unfortunate for the both of them. And obviously, we, you know, we wish them well. Uh, and, and glad to hear that that the symptoms aren't as, as severe. In fact, are, are light symptoms, and quite, and we're seeing that a lot of them are actually still doing their their work, albeit uh, virtually. Uh, it's a huge impact, to be honest with you. I think, you know, th- th- this is the final stretch of the campaign. Every campaign has certain milestones. You know, at the beginning, it's the launch, and then you get into the debates, and then there's the advanced polls, which open up as we were seeing over the last, you know, yesterday. I think they opened up for the next couple of days, and then of course it's the final stretch in, into uh, into election day so this final stretch is important for all the leadership leader leadership uh, candidates because they have to go into the various writings there are writings that their campaign teams are telling them that they they have to go either show up uh for uh, for incumbents or maybe switch over and the fact that they have to do it from a remote location uh and, and have to wheel in a tv station into a rally uh for them to be seen is it's actually quite a challenge so you know, as unfortunate it is that they have uh, they've got this, but it, it's gonna it's gonna affect them, especially in this last week of the campaign, last two weeks of the campaign. Yeah, Tom, uh, we've all had to pivot uh, during the last couple of years, of course, when it comes to the pandemic and COVID, and obviously these two campaigns, the NDP and the Greens, are trying to do that now with both of their leaders sidelined with uh, COVID. What's your take on the impact that's going to have on the final vote? Have we got uh, Tom with us? Okay, we'll try to read. Time for me. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jeff. <laughs> were, were you on mute, Tom? Yes, I was. Because I was just going to say, I was just going to say, you know, well, we've all gotten used to using Zoom over the last few years. And of course, the biggest thing on Zoom is, hey, Dad, you're on mute. Um, <laughs> and of course, uh, how many times have we lived that the past two years? You're on yeah, mute. Exactly. Take it off exactly. mute. So, uh, Tom, you can stay on mute if you want. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> No, you know what, Tom? No, turn it up. We want to hear from you yeah. on this. Uh, when it comes to campaigning virtually, I mean, how tough is that going to be for both the NDP and the Greens? It, it's challenging. I, I didn't see Mike Schreiner, but I did see Andrea Horvath yesterday and today. And the events uh, that she did looked good. And I think she got her message out. The challenge is that, as John alluded to, it, it's great to get your message out, but you also want to go to specific places and associate the issues that you're talking to about those locations and your local campaign team, your local candidate. So that's the part uh, that's tougher. So, you know, I've worked in campaigns before, uh, and, you know, it's a lot of long hours uh, for the staff and for the candidates, and it just means that they're going to have to work extra hard to try and uh, make up for the fact that uh, Ms. Horvath and Mr. Schreiner, Schreiner cannot be there in person for at least the next few days. But it, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean their campaigns close down. It doesn't mean they go they go away. They are and give up. Uh, it means uh, everybody has you know the candidates, especially the local candidates. The team has to pull together and step forward. 
All right. You know, the old saying is a week is a lifetime in politics. And it seems like a lifetime ago, the leadership debate uh, happened, but it was back on uh, Monday. John, want to get your take on what we saw there uh, Monday night. Was there any definitive winner there in your estimation? You know what? I, I think that it, and these debates are always are always tough to, to anal- analyze afterwards, because I think everyone, oh, media especially, and, and people like Tom and I that are pundits and, and that watch this closely, always look for a bit of a knockout punch. Is there, is there one candidate that, that might have had a stronghold over the other uh, or forced one other candidate to be on the defensive? I think they all probably did what they needed to do. In the case of Doug Ford as the, as the incumbent premier, you know, he was obviously going to get attacked, and it's not a surprise that all of them attacked him. But I think he needs to look calm and, and, and confident and, and premier-like in a sense that, you know, is this somebody that people can see as, as someone that they would want to reelect, especially during a pandemic? Uh, and then in the case of, of the others, and, and mostly I would imagine between Andrew Horvath and Stephen Del Duca, who are vying for that second place position, you know, how were they were going to distinguish themselves from each other and, and attack Doug Ford, but also attack each other. And I think Angel Horvath did a far better job, quite frankly, attacking Stephen Del Duca uh, than Stephen Del Duca did attacking uh, Angel Horvath. And also, all that to say, and I think Mike Schreiner did a fairly good job. He was relatively new to people. Uh, he hasn't been seen, you know, and, and I think he kind of came across as someone who, you know, had that level of confidence only because no one attacked him. They didn't need to attack him. So he kind of got away scot-free and, and I think came out looking better as a result of that. Mm. What did you make of the use of the binders by four, John? Well, look, this is this is such a, 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 a crazy story, to be honest with you. Every debate that I've been involved in, either helping candidates or, or you know, participating in, I've always allowed for candidates to bring issues binders and, and notes that they can take. So the fact that, that it was such a big story on this thing was, was just a non-story. And, and, and I think the Premier, Doug Ford, made a right to say, look, you know what? People don't care whether or not we bring a binder or not to the, to the podium. We need to focus on some of the issues. So I really thought it was such an insight baseball process story that most Ontarians wouldn't have, wouldn't have either heard about it or cared about it, to be honest. All right. The opponents, of course, Ford's opponents, Tom, they tried to uh, make it an issue going into the debate. What was your take on Ford having notes with him in the debate uh, overall? The, 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 the binder story, I think, was a kind of filler story that most people, you know, didn't really care about. I personally don't care about it. If people want to take notes into a debate, uh, that's a strength and a weakness because if you have to rely on your notes, you're not connecting with the audience. And uh, if you're prepped properly, you, you'll do a better job without notes. So to me, it was like, that. that's not really a story. I, I thought that uh, the debate was, uh, like John, no knockout punch. You had to watch it all uh, to understand the different people. It was quite different the way that different uh, uh leaders played it. Um, Mr. Ford and Mr. Del Duca were quite aggressive, I think. Uh, and so was Mr. Schreiner. And uh, Andrew Horvath um, told stories about people. Um, she was the only one who did that kind of thing, which was an interesting alternative on debating to talk about, you know, I met a person who had this affordability problem or this person who couldn't get in to see the, the, uh, their, do their cancer screening, et cetera. She talked about things like that. Um, which maybe doesn't quite fit our idea or initial idea of um, debating. But, you, you know, if we look at the numbers over the week, um, the, the PCs went in. Uh, there were four polls the day before the election, uh, sorry, the debate, putting the PCs at 36 or 37. One put them at 35. 
Uh, and they end the week with two polls today showing them at um, 36 and 37. The Liberals the day before the, 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 the uh, debate, uh, four, those four polls all showed them at 28. Today, a poll, two polls come out, put them at 26 and 28. Uh, NDP was at uh, 24 or 23, and two polls today show them at 25 and 26. So, um, you know, the data tells us that it didn't move the PC vote much, but the Liberals declined a little bit and the NDP came up a little bit. So who won the debate? You know, we have opinions, but that's, that seems to me the takeaway in the end is that uh, Ms. Horvath maybe got a little bit of a boost by her, her, her connection. Um, and maybe Mr. Del Duco is a little too hot. Mm-hmm. And to John's point, I think a lot of people were talking about the performance of Mike Schreiner out of that uh, debate as well. And just as a side note, uh, and we mentioned this on our show uh, Tuesday, that TV studio was so small. Were any of you surprised by the camera that was right there with the teleprompter? I thought uh, I was surprised it was right next to Andrea Horvath and Del Duca. They weren't looking over just to see what's next on the agenda. It was close. They were close together. And of course, a lot of people have linked the debate to uh, people getting COVID. I don't know if that's what actually happened or not, but it is a tight environment. And uh, you, when you're standing there, you, you see your opponent. They're very close to you. So it's quite personal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would just say about Mr. Schreiner, though, you know, I would be, if I was a Green voter, I, many people have praised his performance. And in many ways, it was praiseworthy. But if I was a Green voter, I'd be a little, little disappointed. He didn't talk about climate change very much. He never said it's the most important issue facing Ontario, any of that sort of thing, which I really would have expected out of a Green Party leader. That's their unique mm brand identity um and uh they didn't he didn't play to it he got too, i think too engaged in fighting mr ford and not thinking enough about his own, own agenda okay listen we gotta step aside and take a quick break but we got plenty more to talk about here with our provincial election panel john Capabianco, tom parkin we are back with them both after this stay with us Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink. 